Morning. morning. It's a blessing to be here this morning. I promised, I promised, I, I probably just said I would try to keep these to 20 minutes, but the enthusiasm of seeing you all in person here may just overwhelm me. So please forgive me. I'll try to keep it, I try to keep these short. So um, let's just open the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word and the, the truth that it shows to us, the beauty of what you've done and, and uh, the joy we have in what your son had accomplished for us on Calvary, that he paid the penalty for our sin. I thank you we can be here this morning, those who can uh, listen by Zoom and those who can be here in the, in the service, and just pray that your word might uh, strengthen our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're doing a series on seven days of creation and the seven ages of history. And again, I will clarify just uh, briefly, this, this is not what's, when people hear the word day age, they usually think it's talking about the historical periods prior to Adam and Eve or whatever happened that are somehow described by the seven days of creation. That's not at all. Uh, I'm quite, quite content with Usher's age for the earth and the uh, seven day creation as outlined in the scriptures. Um, but the, uh, this is refer- what I believe God has done is something that's just amazing to me, is that the seven days of creation God stamped on the first page of the Bible, a roadmap, a blueprint, a history of what he was going to do through all of history. All of history is described by the seven days of creation, in order and with all the, the key descriptive components listed. He created in such a way that we would know exactly what was going to happen. And when we look at it back in history, we will marvel that God so knew what was going to happen that he could tell everybody on the first page. To me, it's easy to understand that God wants us to know what's going to happen through all history. He wants us to know that he's in complete control of all that's going to happen. Nothing, not the flood destroying all humanity, not the uh, the rejection of Israel for a time because of their uh, sin and their failure to uh, to keep the law, not the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, not the trying to figure out, well, what should I do next? God was never trying to figure out what to do next. He stamped on the front page of the text that he would give us, the very first page, I will do seven things. They are described, and what makes them different is this word dispensation. You don't need that word. It just means that it's from the Greek word oikonomia, which oikonomos, oikonomia, which is two words. You all had the yogurt oikos, right, or seen it in the store. It's just the Greek word for house, house, oikos. The second part of it is nomia, uh, which means rules or laws. It's the same word we'd use for Moses' law or for rules that you might have from a, a king or, or a government. It's the house of rules. God is going to deal with mankind by a different houses of rules. We know this so simply from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Jew was saved the righteous will live by faith. The just will live by faith. The, the Jew was saved by faith. It was never by anything else. It wasn't by the sacrifice. It wasn't by the blood. It wasn't by the law. It wasn't by keeping the law. He was saved by faith. But that faith was shown by doing the things that God's commanded. So he comes and brings his sacrifice. It's slain on the altar, and the blood is spilt, and God covers over his sin. Now, that's totally different. As we were talking in the Lord's Supper today, that's not totally different, but... I guess maybe totally different is the best way to describe it. Our sins aren't covered over by the blood of the lamb for a period of time until the next sacrifice, until God would finally forgive them. God has forgiven us, has paid for them. Jesus would say, it's finished. So it's a difference. God deals with us differently. Our faith is not in uh, the fact that we offer a 
a bull or a goat or that we keep the law, that we have long uh, hair on the side of our beards and a face, that we have tassels on our garment and bells on the hems of our robe. Uh, That's not how we show faith in God. We show faith in God by what is the work that God requires the Jews say to Jesus, what's the works? They say works, plural. What's the works God requires? And Jesus will say to them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent, to believe in Jesus Christ. We have a different set of rules. We believe in Jesus Christ and praise God we're saved. But God has seven different sets of rules. He has seven different houses of rules. And the first one, seven days of creation, seven different things created. We'll get to the first house of rules. We'll review that in a second. He has seven different days, and these are the key elements of the creation. There's more. The text is longer. But these are the key elements. First day, light and darkness. Second day, the sky. The third day, the land is pulled out of the sea. And on it are trees that bring forth fruit and plants that bring forth seed. And then on the fourth day, the sun, the moon, and the stars. There was no sun, moon, and stars. There was light, and there was darkness, but no sun, moon, and stars before that. The fifth day, the birds of the air, the great beasts of the sea. And uh, I think the King James says monsters or dragons. I forget which one it says. But some of them will say the great monsters of the sea, the great dragons of the sea, the great beasts of the sea. And then the fish, all the swarming animals in the sea. And then on the sixth day, all the land animals and mankind, and mankind ruling over the land. And then on the seventh day, God rests from all his work of creation. And so I proclaim that these are seven pictures of the seven houses of rules that God would deal with mankind. And we're going to look at these three first, not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That would be too easy. No, we need to get one, four, and seven. Once we have one, four, and seven nailed down, they're real easy. Then you will see that two and three fit into place and five and six fit into place. So one... Light and darkness. God created the light. He separated it from the darkness and he called it good. First day of creation. The first age of humanity in the garden. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve standing there. God saying to Adam, Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. For the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Death. Destruction. Obviously, there's another choice. There's another tree declared. What's the other tree? Tree of life. And man is forbidden to take of it after he makes the choice to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. He could have chosen instead to have eaten from the tree of life. I believe the test would have been over then, and he would have lived forever in the garden, in the, in the perfect creation of God. He had a choice between light and darkness. This first age, this first house of rules, one command. And Adam sinned by breaking that command. And all humanity after him follows that pattern. But that's the choice. The first age, the first house of rules will be light and darkness, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life. Choose. Now, God doesn't say choose. He says don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But it's obviously a choice. There's two trees there. And one day we will once again have the opportunity to eat from the tree of life, according to the scriptures. It's a choice between light and dark. And it starts in Genesis 1.1. You say, "Mm, Genesis 1.1 is kind of a strange place to start. Just stay with me on that. I'll explain why that is in a little bit. Boom. Sun, moon, and stars. Day four. So we're looking at seven ages of history. Where does the sun appear? Now, uh, we're going to skip over a few ages, two and three. We'll talk about those later. Where in the Bible? So let's turn to Malachi. uh, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, promising what's to come. Malachi 4, surely a day is coming. And skipping down, it says, 
But for you, in verse 2, who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And I know it's translated different ways in different texts. Uh, but the, is, the ascent is there, the sun of righteousness. Now, for those of you who may not be reading it, but just hearing this audibly, the sun of righteousness in English means one of two things. It means the sun, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, the sun of righteousness, or S-U-N, Helios, the, the, the sun that's out in there. Uh, in space. And here the text, the, the Hebrew, it's the sun that shines in the sky. The sun of righteousness, the sun that shines in the sky will rise with healing in its wings. What a picture. What a picture. And what is the fulfillment? What is the fulfillment of this sun, this bright sun of righteousness that's coming? I'll let you even answer me in the audience there. The light of the world. The light of the world, yes. Jesus will say twice, I am the light of the world. He says it in verse. Uh, John 8, 12, and 9, 5. What? 9, 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. What does John 1, verse 4 say? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, and you've got a lot of words there, either overcome it, apprehended it, comprehended it, understood it. The darkness has not overcome it. And John talks about John not being the light. Because the true light that was going to give light to all men was coming into the world. How many times uh, is Jesus referred to as the light? Probably five or six, clearly. Uh, without, I mean, this is one of his great I am statements. He repeats it. I think it's maybe the only one repeated. I am the light of the world. And he talks about living in darkness versus living in light. He's that bright sun. It's no difficulty. We're told in the last book of the Bible, when we finally get to the eternal state, that there's no more sun. Because Jesus Christ and God, the Lamb and God, are the light of heaven. For all of eternity, the light of heaven comes from Jesus Christ and the Father. What a picture. So does anyone have a struggle with Jesus Christ being the sun? Now what do we do with the moon and the stars? Well, what does the moon do? Yeah, it reflects the glory of the sun with an unveiled face. When the moon at midnight, and when the moon's up at midnight, it must be a full moon. It must be, when it's directly overhead, or well, at the apex of its arch, of its travel. It has to be a full moon. And the moon, when it's full and there's no clouds, is so bright. You can walk by it. You know, you can walk easily by it. You can, do, you can work by the, the moon. But sometimes it waxes and wanes, and sometimes it's uh, up in the sky during the day and as a quarter moon or something like that, and you don't see much of the moon. But when the sun is not seen, the moon reflects the glory of the sun. And that's what the church does. All we, he'll say in Corinthians, Paul will say, with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. It's plural. All we. We. The church reflects the glory of the sun. No glory of its own. If the sun is not shining on the moon, uh, you don't see much. You know, it's very hard to make out. You can maybe make out the faintest outline. But when the, when the church reflects the glory of Jesus Christ, the whole world, though they can't see Jesus, they can see that glory reflected from the moon. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Have you ever gone out in a full moon at night? It's just beautiful. And have you ever walked in the snow in a full moon? It's, it's, it's bright as day. Not, it's not, I know. But it's so easy to see. If you walk out in the snow in a full moon, it's absolutely beautiful. And then we have the stars. The stars. What are the, the sun was created on the, the fourth day. The moon was created on the fourth day. And the stars. And Paul will say, Paul says to believers in this dark age in Philippians, he say, you'll shine out like stars in the cosmos. The word there is cosmos. It could be translated world, 
It could be translated universe. It could be translated heavens. It could be a number of different ways. But the word there is you believers. When you're not corrupt, when you are pure in this dark age, you're like that bright star. Now, the stars don't give enough light to do much by. Uh, I'll tell you that right now, individual stars. But when you go out there on a night, you know, we were out in uh, Yellowstone Park, right there on the border of Yellowstone. And I'm driving the kids along. It's late at night trying to get back from something we'd seen. And it's, like, it's, it's pitch black. You're, I'm out there. There's not a light around. There's not a light you can see on the horizon. And I'm in the front. The kids are all back. You know what kids do. They don't care if they have any interest in anything valuable. But uh, they're all sitting in the back. And I'm sitting there looking up through the window. Don't have to have an accident because I can see the entire Milky Way. And I'm driving along. So I pull over. I tell the kids, get out of the car. And we get out of the car and I go behind the car, turn off the car, turn off the lights. My wife says, we're all going to get killed. A car's going to come along and hit us. I said, look up at the sky. You'll never see this again. We're in Wyoming. In Cincinnati, you cannot see a half dozen stars, maybe 25 or 50 on a good night. But out there in Wyoming, when its sky is clear, you can see a billion stars. You can see the whole Milky Way is spread out. About it. It's amazing. And that's what we are as individual believers, Paul says. When you are bright in your purity and before the world, you're like that bright star. So the fourth day, God has got an age pictured, an age of grace. The beginning of the age is Matthew 1.1. So I told you I have these little tabs. For those of you on the TV, I don't know if you can see them back there, TV world. Uh, but I'm putting them in my Bible so I, to keep us on track here. So there's one on Genesis day 1, on Genesis 1.1. Day 4, Matthew 1.1. And I'm putting down day 4. All right, we've got two days listed. Day 1, day 4. By the time we're done, we'll have all seven of them put there. Day 4 starts on Matthew 1.1. Now, I'm going to give you just a little bit of information. Uh, Obadiah was asking you a question about something, and I said this would be relevant to what I'm saying. When does the age of grace start? When does this day start? When does the church start? That's an easy question. Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got to trace a few verses, but that's it. The church starts. So why would I ever put the beginning of day 4 at Matthew 1.1? Well, the interesting phrase in Hebrew... We see it translated English. It's just not hard to understand. There was evening and there was morning the first day. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. God counts the beginning of the day at the evening. Now, uh, sunset tonight is 6.30. You'll go out at 6.29 and look at the sky. You'll go out at 6.31 and you'll look at the sky. And how much difference will you see between... Today, Sunday, and tomorrow, Monday. Like nothing. You wouldn't even know if I didn't tell you that it was 629 or 631, which day it was. But sunset, according to the astronomical calculators that people have, is at 630 exactly tonight. So when God looks at it, he says, I'm starting something new. It's a new day for God. Day four. Starts at Matthew 1.1. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Mark 1. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 1.1. 1, 1, In the beginning was the word. The new day has started. But to all the people, it looks just like the previous day. They all got up. They offered the morning sacrifice at the temple. They, did the, they made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They, they offered the evening sacrifice. And it's just like the day that they had already. And when they get up in Matthew 1.1, to them, it's, it's the same as it was, the same historical period as Judaism. But to God, a new day has started. We won't see the full, the full day till they get up in the morning on Acts chapter 2 
and we have a church. That's when the full revelation of the age of grace. But the age of grace, the bookmark, starts in Matthew 1.1. God has started the new day, the new age. Fourth day, the sun, the moon, and the stars. So I won't take any more time than that uh, next week uh, by Zoom. Uh, probably. I think uh, uh, Joe, someone's going to speak in person next week. Jack Bainline, that's right. So I'll do it on Zoom, and you can hear day seven. I think they're nice bookmarks, day one, four, and seven. So knowing day one and four, you've got to figure out what two and three are. Now, if it was just to leave it to that, what have we got? We've got uh, Noah, the flood. We've got oh, Abraham, starting Abraham. Oh, we've got uh, Moses showing up. That's pretty good. Maybe going down to Egypt. What about the building of the temple? That's pretty good. What about the destruction of the temple? Jesus calls that the beginning. doesn't say it exactly like this, but that's the beginning of the age of the Gentiles. Well, you've got to put a bookmark. Somewhere. You only have one bookmark. Somewhere in there, you've got to put a bookmark to find two and three. Right? And this is a big a little quiz for you, mystery for those of you who like challenges. So where do you put it? Well, just look at day two of creation, what was created. Look at day three of creation, what was created. Say, when does it go from day two to day three? Well, we know what day two was. Ah, I'm going to give away too much away. I don't want to destroy your fun. So next week we'll look at day seven, and then we'll look at, go back to two and three, five and six. So uh, thank you for the short time we could have. Father, we thank you for this little bit of time we could have to study your word, and I pray that it would be uh, helpful to us to uh, understand uh, what your word says. I, I am convinced beyond doubt that uh, the first page of the Bible describes your plan through all of history. And I just pray that we might uh, benefit from knowing that you created these things exactly in this way uh, in a, for exact purpose to be a picture to us of what you would do. In Jesus' name, amen.